You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Paul Bhutan on the Calvary Brighton Podcast. Today, the, you know, the, the gift we're going to focus on is prophecy. Yeah, the gift of prophecy. Now, by the way, thinking of prophecy, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be great if, if, you, if you knew the future? You know, ever think, man, if I could just knew how uh, the, the future, if I just could know how, how the big game's going to turn out before I, put a, you know, be, before I put a little bit of money on it. Now I know how it's going to turn out, and now I know I'm going to win. Or, you know, if I knew how the, how the stock market would, would, would close the week. If I, if I could just know the future. It's like a guy that I heard about who, 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 who was walking on the beach and he found a magic lamp. This is a true story, by the way. He finds this magic lamp and, and he polishes it up and of course a genie comes out of it. And the genie says, you know, uh, this lamp contains one wish. He's like, one wish? I, I thought it was supposed to be three wishes. He's like, well, hey, what can I tell you? You know, uh, the economy and, and, the, and the cost of inflation, the best I can do is give you one wish. So you better make it a good one. So he thinks about it. Now, this is back in the 90s where, where newspaper was still kind of a thing, you know, and so he, he, he thinks, you know what, what I want is a copy of the stock page from the local newspaper dated exactly one year f- from today. That way I know exactly how the stock market's going to perform. And poof, there it is. And now he's thinking about all the money that he's going to make and, and how he's going to make all these investments and just be rich because he knows exactly how the stock market will perform one year from today happens to flip the page over and on the backside is, is the obituary column. And there's a name on the back of the page that, that catches his eye. It was his own name. He discovers he's not going to be there to make that investment. He's not going to be there to make all that money. Hey, be careful what you wish for, right? It's like this old Chinese proverb that says, it's very difficult to prophesy, especially about the future. Uh, well, today in chapter 12, we are going to talk about the gift of prophecy. And we're going to discover this morning a few different things. Number one, we're going to discover what the gift of prophecy is. We're also going to, number two, discover what the gift of prophecy is not. And then number three, we're going to discover what the gift of prophecy is for. And then finally, we'll talk about what to do with it, what to do with the gift of prophecy. So first of all, as we go back now to verse 10, let's, let's talk about what the gift of prophecy is. So again, verse 10, after Paul talks about the gift of faith and, and the gifts of healing, he then says in verse 10, and to another, the working of miracles, and to another, prophecy. Now again, that's the gift we're talking about. Now speaking of prophecy, I'm, I'm reminded of a story I heard a long, long time ago about a guy named Ward Lamon. Now if you don't know, Ward Lamon uh, it was, was Abraham Lincoln's bodyguard. And, and, and in the book titled The Face of Lincoln, uh, Lamon recites a dream uh, that, that, that Lincoln had 10 days before he was assassinated. 10 days before his assassination, Lincoln dreamt of his own funeral. He dreamt that he died, and, and, and he's at the White House, and the White House is full of people who are weeping and mourning and grieving. And so in the dream, Lincoln turns to his bodyguard, Ward Lamon, and in the dream he says, Who died? And the bodyguard turns to him and says, you did, Mr. President. You were shot and you were assassinated. Now, obviously, when he woke up, he was very distressed, very worried. And then 10 days later, his dream came true. It happened exactly the way he dreamt it. Now, when we talk about prophecy, that's typically the sort of thing that, we, that, we're, that we're thinking of. We're, we're thinking of, you know, foretelling the future, predicting the future. But what's interesting is that this word prophecy in verse 10... Uh, in the original language of the Bible, it's the Greek word uh, propheteia. And it's a word that does not mean foretell, but rather it's a word that means to forth speak, or if you would, to forth tell. Now you might say, well, what's the difference? Well, again, 
foretelling, that would be telling the future, predicting the future, whereas forth speaking, forth telling, that would be declaring the truth, declaring a message, declaring a message. Now, it's interesting. One of the ways that this word prophecy can be rendered is, is it can be rendered as a public speaker. It paints the picture that, that you are speaking on someone else's behalf, that, that, you, that you are their representative. You're speaking on their behalf. You're, you're like their hype guy. You're, you're their PR guy. You're their, their media relations guy. You're speaking on their behalf. You represent them. And so, you know, the, the, the prophet of God, uh, that would be someone who's speaking on God's behalf. They are representing God. They, 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 they are not speaking their own message. They're speaking his message. They're declaring his message. Think of it this way. In the Old Testament, the priest would often represent man to God, whereas the prophet would represent God to man. He was God's representative. He spoke for God. Even as Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. And so they spoke for God. They represented him. And so oftentimes, the prophet was the one who, who would be sent to, to warn the people to repent. You know, much in the same way that the prophet Jonah was sent to, to warn the people of Nineveh that if they don't repent, judgment was coming. And then likewise, uh, prophets were also sent to confront sin. Like the time that the prophet Nathan was sent to confront David and his sin after he had had an affair, committed adultery with Bathsheba. Now there's another way that, that, the, that the gift of prophecy, another aspect of the gift of prophecy, and that is that prophecy reveals the heart and it convicts the heart. Let me say that again. Prophecy reveals the heart and prophecy convicts the heart. We know that because later on in chapter 14, verses 24 and 25, it says this. It says, But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he, 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 he will worship God and report that, that, that God truly is among you. Now, the picture here is that this is happening during the worship service, you know, during the church service. You know, and, and during the service, the, 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 the pastor is preaching. He's, he's teaching the Word of God. He's delivering the message of God, the truth of God. You know, what about you? You ever, you ever been in a church service, and, and as the pastor's up there preaching, all of a sudden, it feels like the pastor's preaching right to you? Like, like you're the only one in the room? Like, like it's a sermon for one? Or, you know, maybe, maybe you're listening to a pastor on the radio or, or watching somebody on YouTube, and you're like, you know, how does that guy know what's going on in my life? We see, that's the gift of prophecy. That's what happens when you speak forth God's word. When you speak forth God's truth, what does it do? It convicts hearts and it reveals hearts. And so what is the gift of prophecy? The gift of prophecy is forth speaking, or if you would, declaring God's truth. And when you do it, it, it may reveal the heart or it may convict the heart. Now that's what the gift of prophecy is, but now as we go back to verse 10, let's talk about what the gift of prophecy is not. And so again in verse 10, Paul says, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, and to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. Now again, we're talking about prophecy. And by the way, I should point out that, you know, oftentimes these prophetic types can be a little on the weird side, if you know what I mean. 
I mean, you think about it. I mean, like even, you know, even in the Bible, like, like John the Baptist, for example. I mean, John the Baptist, Jesus called him the greatest prophet who ever lived, and yet John the Baptist ate bugs. He ate locusts dipped in honey. Not only that, but then we think of the prophet Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel, uh, the Bible tells us, on one occasion, he, he was baking cakes over an open fire, and yet he was using human dung, human excrement, as the fuel for the fire. In fact, archaeologists have uncovered uh, the, the cookbook that he was using. Here, here's an actual cover from the cookbook he was using. That's right, it says, Cooking with Poo. That is Winnie the Pooh. And then there's the prophet Jeremiah. Now, obviously, Jeremiah was nicknamed the weeping prophet. But back in Jeremiah chapter 13, Jeremiah was told to, to take off his underwear and then bury his underwear under a rock in the Euphrates River. And then, and then later, he's told to dig up that wet underwear, walk around town in it, and say, you people are like this underwear. No wonder he's called the weeping prophet. I mean, if God told you to walk around in nothing but wet underwear, wouldn't you weep? And then along with that, there's the prophet Isaiah. Now in Isaiah chapter 20, Isaiah was told to, to walk around naked for three years as a way to demonstrate what was going to happen with Egypt and Ethiopia. So I guess if, if, if Jeremiah was, was the weeping prophet, Isaiah would have been the streaking prophet for three years. So as I said, the, these, these prophetic types can be a little on the weird side, right? Well, now with that, however, there is a predictive nature, a predictive aspect to prophecy. For example, uh, the prophet Jeremiah that we mentioned. We know that Jeremiah prophesied, he predicted that his people would be in bondage, they would be in slavery to Babylon for 70 years. And it was literally fulfilled. It literally happened. It happened exactly the way it was prophesied. They were in bondage, they were in slavery to Babylon for 70 years. And then the prophet Isaiah predicted the coming of the Messiah. Really, he predicted both the first coming as well as the second coming of the Messiah. In fact, on that note, it's, it's, it's good for us to point out that, that there are 453 prophecies about the coming of the Messiah. 196 of those prophecies were fulfilled at his first coming, which tells us that the other 257 prophecies will be fulfilled when he comes back at his second coming. And so, yeah, there is a predictive nature to prophecy. In fact, on that note, I, I remember a story that Pastor Chuck Smith used to tell. Years and years ago, Pastor Chuck uh, would, would talk about the time when, when he first left the Foursquare denomination, and, and, he, and he took over the struggling little church called Calvary Chapel. Now, at the time, the elders prayed for him. They, they laid hands on him to kind of recognize that he was their new pastor. But now, unknown to Chuck, the, the church, about a year before Chuck came there, they received a quote-unquote prophecy. Now in the prophecy, somebody told them that, that God was going to bless this little church so much that they were going to outgrow their little building that they were in, have to move to a new location that would be located on a bluff overlooking a bay. And not only that, but they would have a, a nationwide radio ministry. And then on top of that, the prophecy said that they would become known around the world. Now to this small, struggling church with just 12 people, I mean, that, 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 was, that was hard to believe. I mean, I mean you know, they're they like, there's just no way that's going to happen. So they did not mention a single word of that prophecy to Pastor Chuck Smith. They just prayed for him, and they're like, you know, good luck pastoring this church. Well, then what happened? A little thing called the Jesus Movement happened, where hundreds of thousands of, uh, and even millions of young people nationwide, even worldwide, are hearing about Jesus. Young people called hippies, and, and they're hearing about Jesus. They're getting saved by the, by the hundreds of thousands, and they're coming to Christ, and a lot of them started coming to this church. 
And all of a sudden, the church grew, and it grew, and they outgrew the little building they were in. They were forced to go and look for another place. They ended up buying a, 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 a building, a church building, called Newport Harbor Lutheran. And then, and then at that point, then they, then they sold that location, and now they're in the location where they're at. But that location that they first bought was on a bluff overlooking a bay, just like the prophecy said. And then along with that, they ended up on the radio. And then quickly the radio became a nationwide radio ministry, just like the prophecy said. And now, today, uh, Calvary Chapel is known around the world as there are thousands of Calvary chapels all around the world, just like the prophecy said. So yeah, there is a predictive nature to prophecy, but listen to this. The Bible has set a very high standard when it comes to predictive prophecy. In fact, in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, the, the, the people, that they ask Moses, they're, they're, they're like, you know, when, when somebody says they're a prophet, how do we know if they're a, a true prophet or a false prophet? And here's the answer. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 22, it says, And when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if, if the word does not come to pass or come true, uh, th- then that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. And so what was the standard? Well, the standard was that if it does not come true, in other words, if it is not 100% accurate, then it was false. It's a false prophet. Well, now the question is, what do you do with false prophets? Well, Deuteronomy answers that as well. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 5, speaking of false prophets, says, but that prophet or, or dreamer of dreams shall be put to death. And so what was God's policy when it came to prophets, especially false prophets? God's, God's policy was, you know what? If you're lying, you're dying. <laughs> it's got to be true. It's got to be 100% accurate. It has to come true or it was not from God. Now, all that to say simply this, all that to say that the gift of prophecy is not fortune-telling. The gift of prophecy is not the ability to write cute little fortune cookies. Uh, the gift of prophecy is not palm reading or tarot card reading or, or, any, you know, or, or being a clairvoyant. Although one of my favorite cartoons is, is this cartoon that shows a, a picture of a room with a closed door. And on the closed door, there's a sign. And the sign says, due to unforeseen circumstances, there'll be no clairvoyant meeting tonight. Don't you think if you're a clairvoyant, there's be no such thing as unforeseen circumstances? And so what is the gift of prophecy? The gift of prophecy, again, is speaking forth God's word, declaring the truth of God's word. And when you do, it reveals hearts and it convicts hearts. But what the gift of prophecy is not, it's not fortune telling. It's not, you know, psychic activity and all that kind of nonsense. But now let's talk about what the gift of prophecy is for. But to talk about what prophecy is for, now let's skip ahead to chapter 14. Don't get excited. We're coming right back next week to chapter 12. This is just a little, you know, just to keep you, you know, pleasantly distracted. But chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. He who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Now, by the way, notice that last line at at the end of verse 3 when it says that he speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. That, by the way, would be the perfect definition of what New Testament prophecy is today. 
That, that last line there is telling you what prophecy is for. What is prophecy for? It's for edification. It's for exhortation. And it's for comfort. Or as you might say, it's to build up, it's to stir up, and it's to cheer up. That's what it's for. And so first of all, he, he says that, that it's for the edification of men. It, it, in other words, it's to build up. It, it's, it, that if it's true prophecy, it's going to build up. It's going to, it's going to edify. And then he goes on to say that it's for exhortation. That word exhortation in the original language uh, is a word that can be translated stirring or, or urging or, or calling into action. But really in the original, it, it speaks of, of stirring a fire that's, that's growing cold and you're stirring it back into flame. And so you know what? Maybe that's where you are in your walk with God. Maybe in your relationship with God, you know, that fire that you once had, that, that passion that you, went, that you once had, it's now growing cold. You're losing that spark. And then somebody who has this gift comes along and maybe they share a word with you. Now, maybe it's a word from Scripture. They, they share a verse from the Bible and, and it just speaks to you. Or, or maybe they share some kind of other word, but ultimately it's a word that, that stirs that fire. It, it, it reinvigorates that passion. It rekindles that flame that you once had. And so it, it, it builds up, but it also stirs up. It, it's, it's for exhortation. And then finally he says it's for comfort. Now that word comfort, it, it's from the Greek word parmuthia. It's an interesting word. It's made up of two Greek words. Uh, one word means near. The other word means speech. Close speech. You know any close talkers? You know, you're talking to somebody and they're just like right there in your face. And you're just talking to you. And you're, just right, and you're like, you know, hey, brother, I got two words for you. Social distancing. I got two more words for you, Listerine, you know. <laughs> well, this word is, is, is not describing, you know, somebody who's just right there in your face. Rather, what it, what it is, it, it's, it's the idea of a depth of relationship. Somebody that you know, somebody that's come alongside in your life, they're, 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 there's, they're, there's a closeness, and they've earned the right to be heard. And now maybe they come and, and they speak this word to you that's, that's encouraging and, and, it, and it's comforting. But they've earned that right to be heard. In other words, you know, you might have a word for somebody, but you may not know them. And so you're coming and, and you're trying to share this word and you think it's going to be encouraging and, and it's going to be comforting, but it's not comforting, it's offending. Why? Because you haven't earned the right to be heard. And so you've got somebody who, who because of a depth of relationship, they come alongside and they share this word. It's like that old saying that says, they'll never know how much you care. I'm sorry, they'll, they'll never care how much you know until, until they know how much you care. I almost really, really screwed that one up. Um, but you've earned the right to be heard. And so what is prophecy for? Well, it's for edification, exhortation, and comfort. It's to build up, it's to stir up, and it's to cheer up. But now, what do we do with prophecy? What do we do with the spiritual gift of prophecy? Well, to answer that question, we're going to stay in chapter 14. Chapter 14, we'll look at verses 29 through 32. We'll put it up on the screen if you'd like. But, but, but chapter 14, verse 29, the Apostle Paul says, Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For, for you can all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and that all may be encouraged, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to to the prophets. Now, first of all, we notice that he, he says in, in, in verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. What is that telling us? It's telling us that, that one of the things we do with prophecy is we judge it. 
We test it. In other words, we don't just take it at face value. We don't, you know, just because somebody comes and they say, this is a message from the Lord for you. You know, thus saith the Lord. It doesn't mean we take it at face value. We are to judge it. We're to test it. And so what do we do with prophecy? We do two things. Number one, we test it. And number two, we receive it. Number one, we test it. Number two, we receive it. You see, there's a balance. In fact, speaking of that balance, let me draw your attention to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, where the Apostle Paul says, Do not quench the Spirit, and do not despise prophecies. Test all things, and hold fast to what is good. Now, evidently, in that day, uh, the same sort of controversy that, surrounded the, 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 that surrounds the gift of prophecy in our day, evidently surrounded the gift of prophecy in that day. Specifically, what was happening in that day was, was there were those who were, who, were, who were traveling from city to city, from, from town to town, and they were claiming that they were, that they were prophets. They were claiming that they were anointed by the Holy Spirit, that they were sent by God with a message. But really what would happen is, is they were manipulating people. They were, they were playing on their emotions, and ultimately they were manipulating them so that they could get money from them. Well, now evidently because of this abuse... Of, of the gift of prophecy, many people had become skeptical of the gift of prophecy. And, and, and so that's why Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20, do not despise prophecies. Now, that word despise, by the way, it's a word that means to hold in contempt. To hold in contempt. And so evidently, because they had been burned by false prophets, now it seems that, that, one, that, that, that the spiritual gift that they were holding in contempt more than all the other gifts was the gift of prophecy. And so Paul's encouraging them to, to, to be balanced. So on the one hand, he says, do not, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not, do not despise prophecies. But at the same time, he says, but test all things. And so there's a balance. And the balance is this. The balance is that, is that we should be open to the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, we better make sure it really is the Holy Spirit. The balance is that we should be open to the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, test all things. In light of Scripture, in light of God's Word. Here's another verse. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so why do we test all things? Why do we test the spirits? Why? Because there's a such thing as false prophets. Because not everybody who calls himself a prophet really is a prophet. Not everyone who says they have a, a prophetic word really has a prophetic word. It might be a pathetic word. And so we test all things. And so listen, I want to encourage you to, to, to be a Berean, to, to test what you hear. In fact, for that matter, make sure that you're testing what you hear from me, from this mouth, from this pulpit. Test everything that you hear. Test, test that guy that you follow on YouTube. Test that, that, that person you follow on TikTok. You make sure that you test all things. Why? Well, because for whatever reason, when it comes to the gift of prophecy, we get a little loosey-goosey with it. And then we say, well, they said it was from the Lord. They, they, they said, thus saith the Lord. I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, you know, uh, be a person who's doubting the Lord. You know, I'm reminded, back in 1993, when I was still a youth pastor in the, in the Arvada, Wheat Ridge area, at the time, there was a ministry in Arvada uh, called YWAM, Youth, Youth with a Mission. They had their, their training facility there. 
And on one occasion in 1993, the, the leader of YWAM had, had gone kind of, you know, nationwide with this, with this, with this prophecy, this, this vision that he claims that he had. He claimed he had a vision, and in the vision he saw that the world was going to come to an end in September of 1993. Well, now, listen, here we are. 2023, 30 years later, and guess what? We're still here. world hasn't ended. Yeah, that might be what we call a false prophecy. Now, uh, in a more recent note, maybe the name Dana Coverstone rings a bell. Uh, Dana Coverstone uh, had his 15 minutes of fame back in December of 2019, where uh, he, he gets on YouTube and, 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 and kind of shares this prophecy. Uh, he starts off by saying, brace yourself. And he talks about how he had a vision of a calendar. And on the calendar, he saw that something catastrophic was going to happen in March of 2020. Now, many took that and interpreted it to mean that, 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 that this was ultimately talking about the, the, what we now know as the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, then later he gets on YouTube on June 24th of, of, of 2020, and he posts another video, but this time he's predicting that there's going to be major chaos from the November elections. In fact, he, he, he went on to claim in the video that there, that there are soldiers from Russia Soldiers from Asia and soldiers from, from, the, from, from the UN, the United Nations, that are on U.S. soil ready to take over. He then goes on in the video and, and, and he predicts that between September and November, there's going to be a, a civil war that's going to split the nation. There's going to be unprecedented violence and economic collapse and, and basically the destruction of what we now know as America. And he encouraged in that video Christians to stockpile food, guns, and gold. Well, now, in, in fairness, there was, you know, political upheaval during the election, but there were no, you know, Russian soldiers, Asian soldiers, and, and, and troops from the UN who were ready to take over. The nation didn't split. The nation didn't crumble. The nation didn't fall apart. There was no failure of the nation. There might have been moral failure of the nation. That's been happening for a long time. And the point of the matter is, this is why we test all things. We, we, we don't just believe everything that we hear. We, we test all things because not everything that claims to be from God is actually from God. But there's a balance. And again, draw your attention to 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21. Paul says again, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things and hold fast to what is good. And so, yes, he does say, test all things, but then he goes on to say, and hold fast to what is good. Hey, listen, the, the true gift of biblical prophecy is, is, is a wonderful gift. In fact, you might remember chapter 12, verse 7, tells us the, the purpose for all spiritual gifts. The purpose for every spiritual gift in chapter 12, verse 7, is that it's for the profit of all. It's for the, for the common good of, of the body. It's for, it's, it's for the whole body, the benefit of the body of Christ. And so what this means is, is that someone with the true gift of, of biblical prophecy has the ability to, to benefit the body. They have the ability to, 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 to encourage and build up the body. They have the ability to, to exhort and stir up the body. And they have the ability to, to, to comfort and cheer up the body. And this is a gift that we desperately need in the body of Christ today. Now, yesterday I was talking with my wife, Amy, and I, I was kind of struggling with, with certain points of this message, so I'm kind of talking with her. And, and then she uh, reminded me of a story, actually told me about a story. You see, in, in our household, she's the smart one. And I know it's exactly how it is in your household too. But anyway, so, so she shares this story with me about, about a woman named Jackie Hill Perry and her husband, Preston. Now, if you don't know, the as the story goes, years ago, Jackie Hill Perry felt that God was telling her in her heart that she would have a son. 
So lo and behold, they get pregnant. Nine months later, what do they have? A baby girl. Well, a little bit later, they get pregnant again. And, and, and now her, her husband is desperately hoping that it's going to be a baby boy. But what happens? It's another baby girl. Well, a little bit later, she gets pregnant again. And, and now hey, Preston is hoping beyond hope that it's going to be a boy, only to discover that they have yet another girl. And so now, having three daughters, they decide they're done. Three is enough. And so he's going to get a vasectomy. He, he's actually uh, on his way. He's in the parking lot at the doctor's office about to have surgery. And uh, now, meanwhile, his, his wife, Jackie, she wasn't feeling peace about this vasectomy. In fact, she, she remembered the night before she had a dream. And in the dream, she dreamt that she was pregnant with a boy who, who, who may not be given the, the chance at life. And so she, she sends a text message to her, to, to her husband, and, and she tells him uh, you know, she, she doesn't have peace with this vasectomy. And then she tells him about the dream. So they decide that they're going to put it off. They're going to wait to have the surgery. Well, a little bit later, they get pregnant. And, and, and now this time, they, they, they don't want to find out the gender. They're going to do kind of a gender reveal. So they give permission for a, for a family member or a friend to, to find out from the doctor uh, you know, what the gender is. Now that, that friend or family member, they, they then take like a, like a plastic football, put powder in it, and then on the big day, uh, they, uh, Preston takes the ball, he throws it in the air, it hits the ground, and there is blue powder everywhere. It's a boy. I mean, you want to talk about being stirred up. You want to talk about being cheered up. I mean, go watch the video on YouTube. They were fired up. So what do we do with, with the gift of prophecy? Well, well, two things. Number one, we test it. But what happens if it passes the test? Well, then we receive it. Because again, 1 Thessalonians 5.21 not only says test all things, it goes on to say and hold fast to what is good. And so listen, if it passes the test, and you know what? Maybe it's a word from God that God wants to use in your life to build you up. Maybe it's a word from God that God wants to use in your life to stir you up. Or, or maybe it's a word that, that God wants to use in your life to cheer you up. But this is the purpose of what that gift is for. It is for edification, it is for exhortation, and it is for comfort, to build up, to stir up, and to cheer up the body of Christ. Thanks for listening to the Calvary Brighton podcast. To find out more about our ministry in Brighton, Colorado, go to calvarychapelbrighton.com.